voice hearings, voice 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 hearings, voice 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 this is Hearing Voices, conversations with the voices that bring the excitement of college sports alive. Now, here's your host, the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Welcome back, everybody. It's another week of Hearing Voices. Glad you could stop by our little show here on LSU Gold or wherever you find your podcast. And uh, I'm excited uh, for a couple of reasons for this week's show, because number one, we're going to be in person, which is always exciting. And secondly, it's one of my good friends and uh, really one of the great broadcasters in the SEC and has been for a long, 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 long time, not to aging. But please welcome to the show, the voice of LSU women's basketball, voice of LSU softball, and a contributor in so many different ways for the LSU Sports Radio Network, Mr. Patrick Wright. Patrick, I'm glad you decided to, to come in and we didn't have to do it via you know video and technology. Yeah, because the people, instead of hearing voices, they can see the voices See the as voices, well. see the voices. Well, I mean, first off, there's a lot of things I want to talk about because, as I said, you have been uh, synonymous with LSU radio for a long, long time. And, again, I don't mean to age you because I, I think you got started <laughs> when you were 12, uh, as legend uh, goes. But you are in the midst of what is just an incredible season thus far. Uh, for LSU women's basketball and you know I want to talk about we'll go back to how you got started and who your heroes were and all the things that I normally like to find out on this show Um, but I got to believe with all the LSU women's basketball you've seen great coaches great players great games um, I don't like hyperbole like this is the greatest season you've ever seen or this is the greatest team you've ever seen um, because I think that's hard to do when you're talking about so many different years but it has to be at least <laughs> fair to say the most fun you've been having uh, being associated with any team because this team is dynamite. Yeah, you know, it, and when you've been around long enough, and this is season 33 of women's basketball, you've seen, you've seen a lot of ups, you've seen a lot of downs, and you've seen a lot in the middle. And uh, this is certainly as, as up as you can get. You know, all the excitement with Simone Augustus when she, assigned, when she signed with LSU and we brought in Sylvia Fowles and had all of them playing together. Um, that was what got the town first into women's basketball. Like for the first time ever, uh, women's basketball was a big deal here. Um, then we went to the five Final Fours, never quite could bring the trophy home. And then you know, when you have so many great players, at some point there's going to be a little bit of a leveling off. Then we had a long period where things were just kind of kind of okay, you know, not spectacular. But now in round two with, with Coach Mulkey, a lot of the people who were so excited back then are re-excited. So it's good to see a lot of them back at the games now. And uh, so it's, so there are a lot of young and new fans to this, but so it's good to see the old ones who were back there in the old days, plus the new ones. And it's made the fan base even bigger and bigger and bigger. And they, they just come from everywhere. And, and I mean, if you spend a little bit of time around coach Mulkey, you understand why she's such an exciting person to work with. Um, she's the most real person I've ever and I've met a lot of real people who will tell you like it is but she she's real she will not sugarcoat anything she will tell you what it is and how it is and this is how it's got to be and um and the, the people here just embrace it and you know the fact that she's from down the road helps a little bit also but you can spend about five minutes around her. You quickly understand why she's won three championships. It's, oh, there's no how, doubt about it. How she carries herself, how her practices run, how her program runs. There's no doubt. And um, who knows what this year is going to hold. Um, but the future is as good as it, it, it could possibly be here. 
and and that's what's really exciting. Well, you know, I, you mentioned the new fans that are that are coming into uh, the venue now, excited about LSU women's basketball. And firsthand, I mean, I've got a eighteen uh, year old son, a senior in high school, uh, and for the Tennessee game, he and several of his baseball teammates mm-hmm. uh, from Liberty Magnet, that's where they were. I mean, I had yep. to I had to fight like uh, a tuna going upstream because I finished the <laughs> Matt McMahon show across town, and then. I was told, hey, go pick up Kraft and the game's over. I was like, do you know how impossible it's going to be? Because, I mean, it was semi-football, contraflow traffic style uh, with all the people at the Marybit Center. But it just goes to show you how this success, this team, the excitement that her team herself has brought – um, you know, has brought in those those new fans of a different generation. Well, and you know, and it doesn't. I mean, there there is a big core of little girls in this town who you know who are going to catch on to to a women's team is like they have done with gymnastics and softball. Uh, but kind of like your example, a, a friend of mine who I've been friends with since high school, his son is uh, he's in ninth grade now, just getting into sports big time, and uh, they came to their first game on uh, Monday in, in the Tennessee game, and they're hooked. They're going to come back. You know, he just. And it's good to see, um, you know, you growing up and I growing up, sometimes boys would be like, oh, girls, that's not interesting. But it's good to see that males at a young age recognize greatness in female athletes and realize that, you know, hey, you know, they're, they're, what they do is pretty good, too. You know, it's not just for guys. No, absolutely. I mean, it's a totally different mindset, which is a great thing for everybody than, than when you and I were coming up. And it's great to see. And, you know, you finished last year. Uh, which was an incredible turnaround. I mean, all the accolades, all of um, kind of the publicity that LSU women's basketball got in year one certainly deserved. And then we come into the second year, and I know there's so many new pieces, which they were fantastic new pieces that were added, not the least of which uh, Angel Reese. But, you know, Coach, again, as you said, being real was like, hey, yeah, we got some talented players. We got to piece it together. That's kind of been the mantra for the team. I think what has been so impressive uh, by Coach Mulkey and her staff is that this team, very early on, and I know everybody's talked about the schedule, the non-conference schedule, and it is what it is. And teams change. That's you know, I heard Kim say it the other day during one of her press conferences. I guess after the Tennessee game, like you know, you're scheduling these teams so far in advance, and now you add that so many people are moving. In the transfer portal, you really have no idea, A, what your team's going to look like year to year, and you certainly don't know what teams that you play once every 10, 12 years in the non-conference. But you got to go out and win the games. And it was just apparent that early on it was like, this team looks like they played together two, three, four years. They're so in sync. You know, and the the amazing thing about it is that the only player who plays – who contributed last year in significant amounts was Alexis Morris. Mm-hmm. You know, you basically had to rebuild the team around her, um, and you had a couple of defections during the offseason. So er- Morris and uh, Emily Ward, who was a walk-on, who is now a senior who's been given a scholarship, are the only two bodies. Well, let me back up. Emily is the only body that's still here that was here when, when Coach got here, and then she brought Alexis in. and So she has basically remade the roster in a year and a half. You know, with uh, she had a couple, we had a couple leave like right when the season started, a couple games in. So the roster she has right now, she has flipped the whole thing in a year and a half. And yeah, as talented as they are, the first thing they told me in the off season uh, was, I just, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take for us to come together. And you're right, and it amazed me as well. You know, you you see them play in December, and it's like, yeah, they've played together for years. Yeah. And I I don't know if. <laughs> I get credit goes everywhere, but it's an amazing job that she's done to bring them together. But 
I mean, we, we were talking about this a uh, couple, couple nights ago on our radio show. There's a lot of high personalities in that. You know, Angel Reese has a strong personality. Alexis Morris has a strong personality. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, what type A personalities in that group, and they all get along so well. They can criticize. They can get in each other's face to, to, to give constructive criticism, yet they lay it all on the line for each other. Alexis Morris was talking on TV the other night post-game, hey, look, we're a family. We do stuff together. We're all friends. We hang out together. We're all in this – together and that's not something as a coach you say okay hey y'all go come together like it yeah. has to happen it has to happen, it yeah. has to happen uh, organically and maybe with some good force but it has they all get along together and everybody knows their place yeah I think it, a lot of credit as you said goes to this obviously coach Mulkey her coaching staff the entire staff on that uh, on that team but as you point out there's a lot of credit goes to to these young ladies as well of of understanding their individual talents and how powerful they all can be pulling on the same end of the rope. Patrick Wright is our guest this week. You've heard him on the airwaves for years and years. And Patrick, huh. let's, let's remind everybody. I want to go back even farther than that. So I have to believe, and I've had conversations with you. I mean, LSU has been a part of your life for a, for a long, long time. Do you remember your first impressions at whatever age, elementary school, middle school, high school, whenever it was, that LSU became something that, A, you were going to be one of your big interests? I do. When um, when I was 9, 10 years old, and I hadn't started getting into sports yet. My dad was into sports. He'd watch games on TV. Um, and I, okay, you know, as a kid, you find out what you're interested in. Like, okay, dad's doing this. I'm going to, you know, watch some TV with him. And the very first team, very my very first team, I was in fifth grade, was the 1980-81 LSU men's basketball team that went to the Final Four. Uh, and I could tell you all, Howard Carter, Rudy Macklin, Greg Cook, Leonard Mitchell, <laughs> Ethan Martin, uh, the bench players. You know, when, when Coach Brown brought in the, the guys off the bench, that's when the game was in hand. And that um, that team, so they, they won like 26, 27 games in a row. They were 17 and one in the league they made it to the final four and if Rudy Macklin hadn't got hurt I think they would have won the whole thing Indiana Bob Knight Isaiah Thomas they ended up winning it but that was my first the first sports team that I that I fell in love with um I remember that I still that's the only sporting event where I cried because of the loss I mean, a fifth grade kid they lost in the final four I just thought the world was over and it, it you know turned out okay but so that's when I first got into into LSU and then from that point I started following everything now i so all right so lsu then it turns into so lsu baseball wasn't quite a thing yet you know 1981 that was before coach burtman got here but then i started following other stuff my favorite team became the astros because you could get those games on the radio here in baton rouge um just about all the games all out of 162 they probably aired about 150 on wjbo in baton rouge and listening I started in, in 1980 when they went to the National League Championship Series, lost heartbreaker to the Phillies, and I was pretty devastated by that too. So I got off to a traumatic start in a lot of say, ways. You kept coming back for more. And, and kept coming back. <laughs> but the radio end of it is was the was the Astros listening back then, Gene Elston, mm-hmm. and um, then a little bit later, uh, Dwayne Stats as well. So those are the two guys that I – and then Larry Durker was on radio for a while. So that's how – I started was I just enjoyed listening to those games on the radio because you couldn't get them on TV early 80s um so listening and just the idea of of imagining you know what they were talking about and just thinking that was the coolest thing in the world if those guys could 
put me there, even though I wasn't there. And then, um, so then as, as things roll by, so ni- you know, fall of 1981 comes and LSU football starts. So I start listening to, uh, to Jim Hawthorne. Actually, back up, John Ferguson. It was his first final final year, and I listened to John and uh, on the so that's how I got into LSU football. Like that was that was pretty cool, and then before long, of course, listening to Jim Hawthorne with football, basketball, baseball. Um, but even on nights when LSU wasn't playing and when the um, when the Astros weren't playing, I would get my my boombox, put the antennas up, and I would just scroll as finely as I lived. I was in Baton Rouge. And I found uh, the Dallas Mavericks, who were an expansion team. And they were bad, but I enjoyed listening to the games. Uh, Dave Barnett, a guy I'm sure his name mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, was the, was their first voice. And if I turn, you know, they were on WBAP in Dallas. And if I turned my dial just right and I swung the antenna just right, I could hear those games. And every once in a while, I could pick up the Spurs. Sam Smith was the guy who used to do those games in San Antonio. I didn't care who won. I just enjoyed it. It was just it was just a cool thing to me to to listen to these guys and. That's just kind of kind of how it all started, and then I decided. My mom always loves to tell this story that that even at a little at a young age, she always thought I was going to be a reporter because I used to go around with my thumb out, pretending like I was interviewing people. Like here, you have a question, you can do that, and she said that's how they knew that it was going to work out. I got a Mister Microphone for Christmas oh, one look year. Look out! Look out! I'm sure you probably got one I of did. those. Yeah, yeah. And at that the one point, you had to get to the frequency. Was it the one? That I had think the it was. It had the orange, the orange, fuzzy thing on top, and you had yeah, just just it right. But if you talked into it, it would it would reverberate enough, and yeah. Um, so it was all it was all downhill from there. Well, you know, it's it's interesting you bring that up, Harrison. Do you know what a boombox is? Do, do you get that reference at all? Okay, cool. Um, because I, I, I'm the same way. And it's interesting because nowadays with streaming, it is great that basically any event, um, sporting event that you want to follow, you can find. Well, And it, and that almost was the fascination of, because these, these days you couldn't do it, but it was almost like the mystery. All right, can I get the game tonight? You know, oh, there was a thunderstorm, so I couldn't get the Dallas station. And so the, the idea that maybe I can find it tonight, maybe I can't, added to some of the mystique of it too yeah, in a strange absolutely. way because you didn't have obviously with am or fm radio you did not have the ability to go worldwide but there were signals depending on where you lived where you could go to a different place different market different team and as you said it takes you there and there was part of that i don't know i think that's part still today where i think baseball is still aligned major league and college um there still is that passion to radio um, for a lot of fans, just simply because it was a chance for you to go into Dodger Stadium, where you know you're living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or in my case, Heinemann, Kentucky, <laughs> you're, you're as far away from Dodger Stadium as you could possibly be. But if you could find it on the radio on a national game, yep. I mean, it, there you are in Southern California. Um, so again, I think there's some of that today um, for those who who lit, take in games, consume games uh, via streaming, and for that matter, even video streaming now but um it's interesting that that's but now let's 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 you, you we know lsu is one of your teams it's your college team um and if memory serves right you got a chance on the student radio station to call some games so take yeah. us through how you sold yourself to somebody who was willing to go all right you look like you're willing to put in the work i'll, I'll give you a shot how'd you do that how'd you con somebody into that job <laughs> well it was, it was a it was a pretty cool deal and the, the timing was, was so perfect you know if i'd and the thing i when, when my philosophical moments my birthday is on the last day of the year if i had been born about eight hours later 
I would have started school a year later. I would have graduated high school a year later. I would have started LSU a year later. And things may have turned out completely differently. I could be doing who knows what right now instead of sitting here visiting with you. That's wild. So so the fact that I was born when I was and I went on the path that I was. So I got um, – so when I started at LSU, at this was in – so my first semester was 1988. Um, and back then – as far as the radio rights, um, you know, so football was still exclusively, that was a, a WJBO, you know, the athletic department claimed the rights to that. They had all the men's basketball games as well. The baseball games, at that point, they had kind of evolved where they were just um, carrying about 30 of the baseball games, so only about half the schedule. Um, and I, because as I recall, Jim Hawthorne didn't have a, a clone or a second body. It was basically if, when if, he could be there. Yeah, if Jim couldn't do the game because of a conflict with basketball, it just wasn't carried. Right. So the the campus station KLSU had been not necessarily a a, a full out effort, but just occasionally some guys would go set up some equipment, call some games, you know. But I happened to be in with a group of, of students who were like, man, we, let's see if we can do this the right way. And the thing that we had to pitch was KLSU for a college radio station. It actually has a pretty good signal, 91.1 on the dial. You know, There were some places in Baton Rouge where after dark you couldn't pick up WJBO. So we kind of found a little niche where you know people knew that the games were on and you could – places like up in Central and on the outskirts, you could pick up our signal – and we had an engineer, a guy by the name of Paul Burt, who was outstanding. He would, uh, he, he had all kinds of equipment. He mic'd the, the place. I mean, there were microphones everywhere. It was just a, it just sounded so outstanding. And we had a group of guys, myself and, and a, a good friend of mine, a guy named Rich Loop, who worked with us, Mike Smith, who does the gymnastics PA guy and has been for a long time. He did some games. And, and we tried to be as professional. Like we said, let's do, let's do this. Let's take it seriously. Let's do it right. And the athletic department said, okay, um, all the games that are not on our network, you guys can have. So we got to do, you know, 20, 25 baseball games. And, um, and then I, we started calling the women's games as well. And nope, there was nobody. Our network carried maybe five a game at that point, like five, five games a season. And they said, all right, any, any game that's not uh, on our network, you, you can do women's basketball too. You know? So, sorry, right, so we, we did that. And I was the one that kind of took the lead on that. Most of the other guys just wanted baseball. But I, I stuck with the women's basketball. And Victor Howell, who does some of the TV on the Plus, he was a student. And he, so we, that, we were kind of the pair that, that did the women's basketball because he had been a player and he knew the X's and O's. And um, as far as the, uh, the women's basketball goes um, – we went and spoke with Coach Gunner and said, you know, we'd like to come do the road games too. You know, um, would it be okay? You know, and she said, yeah. You know, she w- you can ride the bus with us. You can stay in the hotel with us. You know, our uh, student media people said, all right, you got to can you go out and raise some funds? And Victor was more of the fundraising arm. He knew people. We we went out and beat the pavement and and got enough money to where we could pay for our hotels, pay for our. Uh, you know, back then you had to do telephone lines, long distance, you know, long distance, long distance call from Starkville to Baton Rouge isn't cheap. Right. You know, you got, you got to pay for that. Not when it's on three hours. <laughs> yeah. And when you, and then, you know, when you had to fly to places like Florida, Tennessee. So we raised enough money, we got it done. We did it professionally enough. And um, I'll never forget, I was 20, I was 20 years old at this point. I was in my junior year and I get a call. I was actually, I happened to be in the, the KLSU newsroom. And I got a call from from LSU. I had from um, a lady named uh, 
Treva Tidwell was the director of, of broadcasting, and she called me on, and said, on behalf of uh, Jim Hawthorne, we, we've been listening to you. We, would you like – because at that point he needed a second guy. His, whoever his second guy was wasn't there anymore. Would you like to come work the games with – some of the games with Jim on our network? And the answer was yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> but to say you're like, hesitating, but like absolutely. Like, do you want do you want me to pay you, or are you going to pay me? Like, how's right, that going right, to work? Right. I, like, either's good with me. So I, you know, basically I'd hop on. I was his middle innings guy, and then um, it kind of kind of went from there. And then as uh, a few years later went by, the you know network decided to pick up all the women's games and say, hey, you're a guy. I'm like, okay, sounds good, and. So that's kind of how it got started. A lot of good timing that we were able to do so many baseball games that that I got, you know, that the athletic department took notice and they appreciated the job that we did covering things that they couldn't cover, didn't have the manpower to cover back then. I've told numerous people, Patrick, and I, I don't know that I've ever told you this, but I've told numerous people that work at LSU, people that I know, um, that we both know across the SEC, uh, nobody in this league has someone as valuable as you on the radio network and I truly mean that because number one you know I've I've always been a radio guy if there's a game on regardless of sport in college I'm going to the phone to find the audio version I I just won't even sit at home and watch it on TV I love the art uh, of of radio play by play and so when women are playing and I'm on the road uh, I told you the uh, Alabama game a couple of weeks ago we were in Fayetteville um, and, uh, you know, I was Monday night, you guys are playing at, uh, Alabama. Uh, it comes on my TV and before I, you know, two seconds later, I'm putting my Bluetooth speaker up, get you and um, and Jeff Palermo who was filling in I had in my hotel room, you know, I had the game on, synced it up, listening to you guys, but the job you do with women's basketball, the job you do with us on football, the fill in you do for me, uh, and obviously LSU softball. I mean, it really, you're very appreciative, uh, appreciated by, by LSU, by all of us at the network. And, you know, there's nobody else out there that, that does what you do. Well, so you should be proud of it. That's awesome to, to hear. I appreciate that. And it's, it's a, it's always been, been a labor of love. It really has. And, it, and, you know, when, when Jim was, was the guy, he just, he was always, he always be like teamwork. Like we, and you know, you mentioned the other night we had some technical problems, and you shouted out to you know to Taylor and Alondra, our uh, our uh, studio people. It it's not just me and you showing up and talking. It takes a team of producers and technical mm-hmm. people, and and what we always our thing was no you know, and sometimes people would be shocked if they could see like we're scrambling a minute to, <laughs> before a game to get on the air, and somehow it happens, and nobody knows the difference except for us. It's like people would be amazed, I think, if they saw. Like, how did that happen? Like, how did they actually get that thing on the air when considering 20 minutes ago there was no Ethernet and they, you know. Yeah, networks down. Yeah, satellites down. And it's just, we figure it out somehow. You know, if they're, this is the time of the year right now where we're so busy. we got so many holes to fill. And we were always just, we would just sit back at one point and just marvel at, like, we got all of that done. Like, we did 20 softball games, 15 baseball games, and 12 basketball games all in the month of February or whatever. It, it amazes me that we can we get so much done fairly seamlessly. You know, we hit a bump in the road every now and again. But, but as you say, most of the time nobody knows but, it but us. But nobody knows it but us. You know, it's interesting because, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show about this excitement and this 
just like magnet attraction that LSU women's basketball is bringing to the fan base. And the other thing that I think um, has helped us uh, directly, certainly helped you, is because of this excitement, because of Kim Mulkey being here and it being now not only LSU the national brand, but it's Kim Mulkey National Hall of Famer, those two brands together. The story is so compelling that we find people that are interested and want to be a part. They want to get a touch of it. And I know you spent a number of years calling women's basketball by yourself. Now, this a little inside baseball, that's not by design. That's not that we said, hey, Patrick, you know, have fun. You know, go for two and a half hours calling a game. You have to find people, uh, and it's very rare. And we are lucky at LSU that we have people who are interested in being a part of these games and these broadcasts because it's not their full-time gig. And they have to be willing to give up 30-some nights, uh, 16, 17 of them or more, away from home in a hotel room. And it's hard to find those people because they've got families, they've got jobs, they've got commitments. But it's great that the last two years, again, and I give – uh, I give this women's basketball staff and Kim Mulkey uh, most of the credit. Because of the excitement, it's been great to have Shaida uh, join you, who was a standout guard uh, for the Duke Blue Devils in her college mm-hmm. days. She works here in LSU athletics. But, you know, again, to have you and her now on most of the games, I know it's got to be an enjoyable thing for you. I know you love doing the games, but it is – Having done the 17 season, most of that year by myself, at Georgia Southern, I did about three seasons of men's basketball by myself. That's a – it's – it's – it's hard to do because you get tired of hearing your own voice. And I can only imagine when there's no other voice to be heard, people listening to a three-hour broadcast and it's the same voice. But, again, it goes back to, you know, this excitement we're able to get people who want to get a piece of it. Well, it is. And it's good, uh, you know, as – it's just sometimes – well, first of all, it's good to – you know, that one time you write down in the scorebook, you miss something. It's good to have that extra set of eyes out there for sure. It's good to – you know, Shida is a former player, and she's a local, and she was part of our program as director of ops under Coach Fargus. Um, so she knew she, – you know, she knows the landscape, and she knows knows the game. And, and in her new role in the athletic department, she's gotten to know all the kids as well. So it's a, a natural fit. And – and it, it's good because she can help me with things, basketball things, even, even like I'm still not an X and O guy, you know. Like sometimes, I, hey, point it like, what defense are we in, right? What are we doing? It is so good to have an expert, no doubt, in that area. And that's you know when when I listened to, to you and Coach Brady, um, it's, it's funny just knowing Coach from his days back when he was he's he's such a mellow guy. Now you missed out on the on the uh, <laughs> I know I've heard on the on the old on the old Coach Brady. It's just, I think the first time you guys were together and I listened to you, it's like these it's like these guys have been friends forever, and you just you have such a good uh, good rapport and a good uh, uh, cadence. You know, like you'll call a play, Coach will talk about it, and it's um, he's a natural at it. You know, and and. And Shaida had never done it before, and Coach had never done it before right. either, to my knowledge. And they, they're getting better. Like, they get better as they go along because it's it's not easy to just jump in and say, hey, here, you just talk about the game with this person, you know. Especially for somebody who for so many years have been doing it by yourself. You have to know, okay, I, I need them to interject. Yes. But you're so used to being in the cadence that you've been accustomed to. I think it's hard for both people to step back in and go, all right, this is the little – and I tell people all the time, it's like a choreographed dance. There is a dance to it. Yes. And even though it may not seem to the listener like there's some type of method behind it, it takes a little bit of time to get that. Same thing teams do. Well, to, and that's and that's, why, and that's why I said cadence because uh, – 
you know, what people don't know is the, the job that I do with Chris for football, I'm not on the air, but I am telling him numbers in his ear. Like, you know, if a play is 26 yards, I'll tell him 26 yards. And even that cadence, like I've gotten to know your cadence, I know just when to, to talk when you're <laughs> taking a break. Because you know, it is hard to talk when somebody's in your ear. Well, and, and, and on football, he could literally have five guys in his ear at the same time. Um, <laughs> so that, but it, there is, yeah, and because to those, to the untrained ear, they think, we, hey, we just, we just sit there and talk. But there is a method to it that it, you know, sometimes it takes a little while because you accidentally will talk over each other. But after a while, you, when you get comfortable with somebody, but, yeah, it's like Coach Bray, when I hear him with you, it's like, it's like the guy was made to do this. You know? yeah, he really does. I mean, because – and I told this story a lot, and I'm sure, Shaida, you feel the same way. Like, she yeah. can sit down, John can sit down with any coach in the country, and, I mean, they start using some high-level basketball yeah. terms that, frankly, <laughs> most fans, me and you, we don't use. It's how they refer to screens. It's how they return uh, – re, you know, refer to movement on the floor. Yeah, when and they he, start hedging and things like that, I'm like, oh, okay. You know. you know, for example, one of the zone variations that Matt McMahon and his staff use is basically a 1-3-1, but they morphed it, and they call it Seahawk. Yeah. Now, if Coach McMahon comes up to me and goes, hey, yeah, we're going to be in Seahawk most of the night, I, I, okay. I mean, <laughs> I have no idea what that is. John can. But when John gets on the radio, he has a way to – relay what's happening so that you could be a high-level yeah. basketball person, but you also could be a casual fan who's like, okay, I understand now why this is working or why it's not. And to me, that's his gift, and that's what makes him so Yeah, cool. and that, and Shy does that too as well. It's, it's the, the ability to make things that are somewhat complicated simple to the average yeah. listener because you, if you throw the hard stuff at them while they're sitting there figuring it out, they've missed some what of happened? the action. So yeah. if you can throw it at them and they can kind of understand it pretty quick – and I'm going to – if I explain something that's going to be simple, because I'm not an X and O, you know, I, if I tell you something that's going to be pretty basic. But that's the, the art of being a color person is make it simple, not over simple, but simple enough to where the not everyday fan can figure, okay, yeah, that's what they're doing. I've always said I, I look at our job, Patrick, is the, the Joe Friday for the older people in the <laughs> crowd there, the, just the facts, the who, what, when, yeah. where, and then John Shaida and all the people <laughs> we work with on all the sports – they're kind of the why and and why not why things are working and why they are not Patrick well, yeah, right well, I'm saying when you you know and then listen to you and Doug on baseball now that's a guy when you get in the in the spot with a guy who's won a national championship doing yeah. it I mean there's that's what better experience can you have that that's a guy who knows what's going on in these guys heads and a guy that eats breathes and sleeps baseball yes uh, with his young sons coming up with his former players I mean so yeah he's he's glued into how the game is played Patrick Wright is our guest and um, you know Patrick I don't really have a reason why it took us so long I've been doing this show now I guess three years um, you know, we got upgraded into this studio for LSU Gold, but it yeah, is a is, uh, it is it is a pleasure. Yeah, back back behind the camera, it's it's hideous, um, but that's by design. <laughs> Everything looks a lot better on our side. Um, but it, it's a well, pleasure. I mean, they, they tell us we have the perfect face for radio for a reason. That's why right? I don't know why they put us on LSU yeah. Gold, but I, you know, that's a that's a discussion for another day. Uh, before we let you go, and again, I'd like to do this again, uh, and especially with the way this women's basketball season is going. But I didn't want you to leave. I got a baseball stuff on today because. I'm excited uh, tomorrow or on Friday, I guess. I mean, we're two weeks away uh, from the start of baseball season. LSU softball is going to get a jump on that. They'll start a little earlier. And I know you've been involved with uh, softball for a while. And, and Coach Beth Tarina and company, I think, are in a good spot this mm -hmm. year preseason where 
they're getting enough love, but there is enough yeah. room to grow and get better. And she was on uh, Kent Lowe's podcast. I don't know if you've caught it yet, but Kent Lowe's show, Play by Play. Um, she was on there with Kent, and she really was genuinely excited about the prospects of this year based on who's coming back, based on the work they were able to do in the fall and now in the preseason. This could be an exciting – and maybe – People aren't expecting it in 2023, but this could be an exciting year. Well, and and we uh, we had Coach on uh, Coach Mulkey's show a couple nights ago. She is uh, every week we have on a guest from one of our other women's sports. So uh, Beth was on with us, and you know last year had the worst ending that LSU softball year season has had in a very long time. Went to a regional, lost two straight games. Never happened before, and there was a lot of talent on that team. And a lot of that talent is coming back. And one of the things we talked about a couple nights ago is is how last season ended a big motivation for this squad. And she said, Ab- absolutely. You know, that there's enough returning veteran talent that is just not happy with how last year ended. And they're using that as big motivation. And I think – I think this team, yeah, I think the first ranking that came out, they were number 25. I think ultimately they're going to, you know, yeah, you say, okay, where is this team going to finish? I think they're going to finish higher than their ranking. I think they are underrated, but I understand why. They went to a regional, lost two games last year. You know, that's so that you tend to, to fall out of people's memory. But you've got two of the top 50 players and Taylor Pleasant, Sierra Briggs, who's one of the best center fielders you ever want to see. And this is coming from a school that had Aaliyah Andrews in yeah, center field for That's so long. That's a pretty long. good center fielder. <laughs> Sierra's that good. She's got a fifth-year pitcher in Alec Kilponen, who says she's – coach says she's as, as good as she is. And she's real excited about some freshmen she's got coming in. But when you look at what's probably going to be her starting nine, most of them are kids who did really well last year. It just – just various things contributed, and they hit a, hit a rough patch at the wrong time last year, lost their last four games. So I'm really excited about the possibilities because I know Coach – they, they miss OKC. We were a fixture there for a little while. It's been a few years, but they're all hungry to get back. And, and I think that the talent is is there, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. We start South Carolina series on the road. is going to be our first uh, series, uh, first weekend of March. So I'm looking looking forward to see. They're going to hit, they're going to pitch, and they're going to field, brought in a couple of transfers. They're going to be really good. Yeah, I tell you, I love when the preseason, based on, as you pointed out, what last year was like, when they came in in the 20s, number 25, I like a team with a chip on their shoulder. And it seems like this LSU softball team wants to right the wrongs of 2022. So it could be exciting. Last thing I got for you, I get asked this all the time. I'm sure you have as well. Um, favorite sport to call? When are you When are you most yeah. excited? And is the answer my answer, which is depends on what time of year you ask? Well, all right. I'll, I'll, both of them – between the ones I call most softball and some occasional baseball, which you kind of lump into the same group, and basketball. Softball I like because you get a little bit of time. It's just, you know, a pitch, and then you get to get to think about it and think about the next one. You get to read more stats. You get to tell a few more stories. Basketball is a little more compact. You, just, you go, 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 and every once in a while you get a little stop. Unless they're doing a replay or something, then you then you get a chance oh, yes. to chat for a while, and yes. we could have our own discussion about that, and that'll be maybe for the next, next time. One, yes. um, so no, I don't I don't have a favorite. I, all I can tell you is, is um, you never got the pleasure of calling baseball games at the old Alec Box Stadium. No, I hear I missed out. It was it was a, a a wonderful place with a lot of memories. That was an awful place to do a broadcast. Just to be totally honest, <laughs> I've so heard we, that a lot. We were not at we were not in a booth. 
And in those February games, when the when the wind is blowing in out of the north at 15 miles an hour and it's about 40 degrees, you just couldn't hide from the cold. You, it didn't matter how many layers of clothes you put on. Didn't matter um, what uh, you, you put on three pairs of socks. Then your feet sweat, and then your feet get colder. So that doesn't work. Um, Jim Hawthorne actually brought a space heater up there one night and blew out the entire press box electrical system just trying to keep us warm fortunately they got it fixed before the game started and everything but you just couldn't you couldn't you couldn't get out of it yeah and, the, and then, the, the story i heard most often is the improvised restroom facilities that were uh, <laughs> yeah. required for the old box because you had to go down you had to go down through the grandstand walk your way around make your way under sixth inning everybody in the ballpark knew where jim was headed like you know it's just you know jim gets up you know and i'm doing the doing the sixth inning while he's he's you know so it's a little not ideal when the entire ballpark knows where you're headed in the sixth inning. But it we, but it was a cathedral, and I'll never speak bad of the place. It, no. was, just, it was just a hard place to work. But what I'm, I say that to lead up to when the when the weather's nice and great, there's nothing better than a good baseball or softball game. Yeah, and well, when, you when, got we're both lucky. We've got the box and Tiger Park, two of the most uh, again, I think even the newer. Uh, iteration of of the box is is it's a legendary place. It's had magical moments, and there's not a better softball facility in the country than Tiger Park. Now, and it's beautiful to go out and take in a game. You know, and what and what's amazing is there are so many now that have come up. You know, I, I started day one of the SEC, and you know I, we'd go to Alabama. Alabama for the first three years played in a rec park with the plastic white temporary fence. The ground was bumpy. Uh, I mean, an Olympian, Kelly Crutchman, played there. I don't know if you've heard of Kelly, mm-hmm. but she was oh, yeah. yeah, Olympian. And I've, I've called games. She started – her home field was a rec park with, like, field two over here and field four over there. And there was no stands. And I had to uh, broadcast on a table and lawn chairs. And all the Alabama fans were around me. And they were actually pretty nice. They were nice. And oh, shocking. You had to find – yeah. I, you had to find a uh, an eight-mile-long extension cord to power. And now to see that they play in, like, the biggest palace. You know, it's so big. And I'm – same thing, you know. So it is. It has been fun to see the growth of that sport, from just you know teams playing in rec parks to we're now playing in these beautiful stadia that LSU's got. And everybody in the league's got one now, and that, that's been probably my favorite part of it. Is yeah, you're out in the elements there, like you know, sitting out on a lawn chair in the bright sun. I like the good weather. Good, give me a good, cool April spring day and some softball or baseball, and that's that to me. If you, if I had to name a favorite, going back to the question, that'd be my favorite. Yeah, I can't argue. And with I that. figured, and was that your answer? Yeah, that's I, what I thought. Well, it, it also depends what time of year. I mean, when you ask me, first week of September, I'm probably going to tell you, oh man, it's football yeah. at Tiger Stadium. <laughs> if you ask me, like you said, in April, 68 degrees, sunshine, Saturday or Sunday afternoon, or even a night game for that matter, it's probably going to say the box. Yeah, because if you ask me in February, in those February games back then, what's your favorite basketball? Because they're inside. <laughs> That's right. Again, Patrick Wright's been our guest this week. And, and don't forget, uh, LSU women's basketball on a tear. I mean, it is an exciting brand. It's got exciting players, really good matchups, and there are several remaining on the schedule. And you can catch all the action with Patrick and Shaida on the LSU Sports Radio Network, uh, as well as anywhere on the LSU Sports mobile app presented by BASF. So it's really easy to do. You download the app, and when the the Tigers are playing, you'll get a prompt that says, tip-off's coming. You open the app, boom, listen live, and 
there you'll have Patrick. You do the same uh, once uh, we begin our softball broadcast, as he said, in the opening series uh, against South Carolina. So uh, make sure you tune in. I think you'll appreciate it uh, and you'll enjoy it as well. Um, Patrick, that's uh, at least for this time. Uh, I appreciate you coming in, man. That was fun. I like uh I like going back to the old days, you know, there's a, I, I'd like to, because I'm at that age now, you know, we're like, I'm, I'm the old guy. And I, I like to share, as I'm sure you do, share with the, these, the younger people. Who, the young bucks, like yeah, Harrison over here, who don't, to teach uh, them a little bit. Who don't, like, why would you want to listen on the radio when you could watch on TV? And right. I think, hopefully, we answered that question That's today. That's right. You See, know? Harrison even said he listened to the uh, Missouri game on the radio, on the app. I'm assuming on the app. Yeah. Oh yeah, listened on the yeah. URL. So. so that's why I like to share the old stories and, and let, uh, let people know where where how all this started. It's a good idea. You know, you mentioned uh, the growth of, of women's sports, and I want to say this because we talk about the SEC network, and a lot of times the conversation starts and ends with the check each school gets mm-hmm. and the new contract and what the new contract with you know ESPN and the SEC. I get all that. But what I think at the SEC Network has done for women's sports has really lifted the profile. You talk about the growth in attendance, the growth in focus on LSU gymnastics, SEC yes. gymnastics. The SEC Network can take a lot of credit for that because they were able to package it in a 90-minute program. Oh, People yeah. can watch it. Action hits you one right after another. This event, this event, this event. I think women's basketball obviously has benefited from uh, the SEC network. And as you said, the growth in SEC softball, I think, can also be directly attributed to these televised games. Yeah, so many. I mean, you at any point on a Saturday or Sunday in SEC, you can watch games from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. if you want to. And uh, they've got women's basketball that way, 11, 1, 3. I mean, you can do three in a row on a Sunday, and you got a couple on Thursday. And it's literally a time – I mean, and I wish – I do get a little reminiscent. I wish somebody like Sue Gunner would have been around to have seen. Right. Because she, you know, she was the one that fought a lot of the battles back then. And it was just starting. But I think she she and, and all the, the other trailblazers would just be so pleased with, with what the SEC Network has done. Absolutely. And that's coming from two radio guys praising the yes. TV guys. Yes. Go figure. Get that on tape because that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> all right, Patrick. Well, continue your great work. Uh, getting the LSU women's basketball win after win after win. I know you're doing your part. We'll be tuned into it. Uh, and then we'll be ready for softball when it gets here. Enjoyed it. Can't wait till we do it again. All right. That's going to wrap up this week's show of Hearing Voices. And I'm told I, I'm wearing the baseball stuff today. Uh, but that's mainly because I got back from Missouri at 3, o- 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but next week, we're really going to get into baseball because we are expecting Harrison. Is it confirmed? We locked in or we're – can I reveal – Ben McDonald, the great LSU baseball player, professional player, now just one of the best analysts in all of baseball, uh, both pro and college. He's going to be here, and he's going to kind of give us his thoughts on not only uh, this incredible LSU baseball team and this season we're about to uh, take part in, but also the SEC. And we might even get to talk about the Orioles a little bit. So we'll hope you tune in again next week. want to thank Harrison Valentine, as always. want to thank Patrick Wright. Again, check him out on the LSU Sports Radio Network and the LSU Sports Mobile app. Uh, And we thank you for stopping by. Hope you'll do it again next week. And until then, this is Chris Blair saying so long, everybody. And I'm still hearing voices.